I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system, which regulates many of our most critical bodily functions, such as learning and memory, emotional processing, sleep, temperature and pain control, and inflammatory and immune responses. The CBD brand that I take and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences, which is now proud to introduce a new innovation to their reserve collection, a sleep gummy. The reserve collection is a specially curated blend of full-spectrum cannabinoids, including THC. Rich and bold, the Reserve Collection products are for when intense support is needed. Reserve Sleep Gummies build on their unique Reserve Collection formula with effective sleep-focused ingredients to better prepare you for bed each night. Wake up feeling refreshed, energized, and ready to take on the day with Reserve Sleep Gummies. All of Plus CBD's products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code HOFFMAN30 for 30 percent off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman for Plus CBD's new reserve collection, Sleep Gummies. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Otto Hoffman. It's a weekly opportunity to answer your questions, and thanks for sending questions to questions at drhoffman.net. With me today, of course, is Layla Newton, because it's time for Q&A with Layla. Where I get together with Layla, and two heads are better than one, we endeavor to answer your questions. Once again, send them to questions at drhoffman.net. And we've got a pretty full mailbox, so we'll get to questions in just a moment. Uh, but let me just first make an announcement before I forget. This is the week. This is an important week to jot down uh, some information about our sale that we do from time to time. And uh, I guess it's the kind of commemoration of anything in particular. Oh, maybe it's a commemoration of the, of the Jewish New Year. I don't know. I don't know if they thought it through. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, but happy, there's a sale. happy New Year. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it, you know, it's kind of like uh, uh-huh. what Jimmy Buffett used to say. It must be five o'clock somewhere. And it must be New Year's <laughs> somewhere. So this week, for some reason, I guess it's the fall sale. You know, people mm-hmm. are finally kind of getting back after a little... Uh, lethargic after Labor Day, and they're finally getting back in the swing of things, getting their lives organized. And September 13th and 14th only, you can reinvest in your wellness goals this fall with savings of 10% on my favorite supplements. September 13th and 14th only. There's a wide range of supplements available. On Fullscript. Yeah, just go to DearHoffmanStore.com for 10% off and free shipping for two days only, September 13th and 14th. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. Many supplements very hard to find. That's true. Also concerns about the supply chain and... And quality. Forgeries and, you know, there's, you know, some really kind of shady merchandise, fakes out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, full script, however, has a little higher level of quality control, mm-hmm. and that's why we like them, and they deliver promptly and efficiently. So, DearHoffman.com, oops, sorry, DearHoffmanStore.com uh-huh. is the place to go. Okay. All right, so uh, before we get to questions, uh, I just want to mention a development, and this this is kind of inevitable, is that uh, when it comes to cold remedies, over-the-counter cold remedies, we pretty much have said that they don't work. Mm -hmm. They don't really work. Yeah, 
I mean, uh, over the counter cold remedies. Yeah, cold remedies to diminish symptoms. Yeah, to diminish quashing symptoms. Well, they don't even quash symptoms, and this is the problem: is that the FDA has has ruled that a very high percentage of the over the counter decongestants that are available in pharmacies, people routinely buy them. They're under names like Sudafed. Yes. Uh, contains something called phenylephrine, mm -hmm. and phenylephrine is a copycat of. Pseudoephedrine. Mm -hmm. Now, pseudoephedrine is the good stuff. But what's interesting is that Sudafed, kind of, it's S U D A F E D. Yeah. It's like the most popular brand. Yeah. It sometimes is phenylephrine mm -hmm. and it's sometimes pseudoephedrine. The problem with pseudoephedrine mm -hmm. is that you remember Breaking Bad? Yeah. You want to make some Walter White. meth? Meth. Yeah. <laughs> Go, you know, and they used to they used to deploy these people to, to stores. You see, I'd like six boxes of Sudafed. Yeah, and they would then go back and they'd cook it down, and well, I don't know by what process they'd purify it, and they'd extract the Sudafedrin, which was an essential ingredient for, uh, you know, meth. You know, high quality yeah. speed. Yeah, and frankly, if you take that stuff, you do get a little speedy. Mm. Uh, so, so now. You can't get, you can get the stuff that doesn't work over the counter on the shelves. Mm -hmm. That is if they haven't locked it up because of stealing, which is the case. Everything at the local CVS and Walgreens in my neighborhood is right. under lock and key now. Well, we're in New York, but I yeah. went to New Jersey. I was really surprised I could actually go and pick the stuff off the counter mm -hmm. in like suburban New Jersey. Yeah. But in New York City, everything is like, hello, yeah. call it. Out East is the same. It's all open. It's fine. But yeah. in New York City, uh-uh. Yeah, right. So anyway, <laughs> coming back to the, mm -hmm. the pseudo products that contain pseudoephedrine, which is effective, but also is kind of dangerous because it raises blood pressure and it makes your heart race and it can, you know, it's not a great thing to take at bedtime. So it's not in any PM products. Right, right. The PM products contain, you, yeah. you know, the weaker stuff and some Benadryl, which knocks you out and yeah. makes you drowsy. Yeah. So, okay, so what's going to happen is that a lot of the cold remedies are going to disappear because FDA has said they don't work. And why don't they work? Uh, you would think that the, it's plausible that something called phenylephrine might work as well as pseudoephedrine, uh -huh. but it, it is highly metabolized by the liver and kidneys. Mm -hmm. So it before it gets to the bloodstream, it's actually eliminated from the body. So it's the FDA has deemed wow. it that that it doesn't really work. Now a lot of people say, "Man, this stuff really works." When I have a cold, well, yes, folks, it's a placebo effect, and you people have spent billions of dollars on these remedies that have no scientific basis. This is really news to me. Yeah, yeah. It's a placebo effect. It is a placebo effect. Are we talking about Dayquil and NyQuil and all that stuff? I, I we can't. I, there's, there, look, first of all, there's alcohol in there. There's not a placebo effect. Ah. There's also a lot of Benadryl, which yeah. is sedating. Yeah. So it knocks you out. I mean, hey, give me some NyQuil. If I'm really miserable, I mean, it, look. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the problem with NyQuil is that it is like teenagers take it to yeah. get to get loaded. You to know? get loaded. <laughs> really so sad. Yeah. It's God. like I mean, what kind of? It's not exactly a high. I no. won't say you get high. You kind of get like blah. Blah. Yeah. Right. It knocks you out, but yeah. you kind of feel no pain. So it's kind of like you know hillbilly heroin kind of thing. <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it's really uh, so. So these. I mean. I, we just had a question. Somebody said, "Oh, you know, went through a long, exhaustive thing about their and then uh, their problem, and then at the end they said, and by the way, what do I take if I have a cold?'" 
Uh, so do we have some suggestions for people if they have the cold or flu? First of all, I think NAC is a really good thing to take. Oh, yeah. And especially if you're going to take Tylenol, because sometimes you may want to be tempted to take Tylenol, because i got to tell you, the free aches and pains of the flu, Tylenol helps me. Mm-hmm. And I don't take it normally, but I take Tylenol, but I always take NAC with yeah. it. You don't want to really knock down a fever, because a fever is part of the body's healing right. mechanism. But, you know, if your fever is very uncomfortable, you're like 101 or 102, maybe take something. Yeah, you know, like or it's going more than a, f- a few days. Maybe yeah. you want to do something about it. Right. And the knack is protective against acetaminophen. Toxicity. Or toxicity. Right, yeah, liver toxicity. Yeah. So then, okay, uh, quercetin, really helpful uh, in COVID, possibly helpful in, uh, you know, colds and flus, bioflavonoid, vitamin C every maybe four vitamin hours. Vitamin C can help damp tamp down the histamine reaction a little bit. There's something on zinc lozenges. Zinc lozenges have some bona fides. Mm. Uh, We also think that um, elderberry is helpful for flu and certainly might be helpful for, you know, COVID symptoms, according to some studies. Remember echinacea, golden seal uh, remedies? Yeah, those are plausible, sure. Uh, Echinacea did not pan out so well for COVID Mm. for some reason. you know, also, I, I stock, I keep high dose vitamin D. You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm yes. like I'm coming down with something, I might take a 50,000 once or twice. Yeah. But you have to be careful because you don't want to do that too many days in a row because no. it, 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 over time, it kind of dissipates in your system. It's not gonna, you're not gonna overdose. Mm-hmm. But, uh, just to, to really significantly boost your vitamin D, even if you have like five thousands, you may want to take, you know, four for two or three days in a row. Yeah. Now, un- unless yeah. your vitamin D is already high, you know. Yeah, no, no the, One don't patient do said, that. Yeah. My, my vitamin D is already high. I said, don't do that. No. You know? um, exactly. So yeah. these are some of the strategies that actually, I think, are even more rationally based than this phenylephrine ingredient, which now even the FDA has said, you know, you can't sell it because it's basically like water, you know. It's like wow. it doesn't do anything. A placebo effect. Yeah. yeah. That's really something. But, yeah, so that's the deal with uh, the colds and the flu. See the power of the mind when you think you're getting something mm-hmm. that is the remedy. Right. And then you actually experience it mm-hmm. as well, a remedy. Here's a, I, I just heard of a study, uh, I was listening to a podcast, uh, about placebos. And there's actually a dose response on placebos. In other words, there's like low-dose placebo middle dose placebo oh and high gosh. dose placebo and, and that has to go with how much you think you're getting exactly or that you're told you're exactly. getting that you're told so you're you getting. can respond appropriately now i have been told that i give very good placebo uh-huh i give really good placebo you know oh so that, my that's a that's a i think that should it's a skill <laughs> that should be taught in medical school is how to give good placebo because i you know i and you do too you know we encourage uh-huh. our patients it's yeah. not like we say well, you know like in a monotone do this this will help we say this will help, and we explain how yes. it will help, and the, you begin in yet like a mental process of like it's a rapport. It's like every day in every way I will get better and better. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's kind of a mantra mm-hmm. that is healing. Now we don't also do it cynically, like well, we're really giving a sugar pill. This stuff doesn't work. No, it actually helps the placebo if the person administering the placebo believes the placebo. Yes, which is the reason for the double-blinded <laughs> right, exactly. part of the, are the RCTs. Exactly. Yeah. To, let's explain that. Uh, we t- you hear about double-blind placebo-controlled trials. Yeah. Well, a single-blind study means that the patient doesn't know whether they're getting the sugar pill or the active ingredient. Yeah. But through the manner in which the 
practitioner administers this, mm -hmm. there might be an effect on the patient. So they double blind it. Yeah. So they 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 because, put these in a in because in, the practitioner knows what they're giving. Yeah. They put it in coded containers. Yeah. That you know where the code is not understood by the practitioner. And the pr patient doesn't know what they're getting. So it's double-blinded. So there can even be a little unconscious bias seeping right. out in the practitioner's body language yeah, like, that the participant will pick up on and say, oh, right. he's giving me the real thing, right. so I'm going to feel better. Like, he didn't really this look is, at me. He, he didn't really look me in the eyes like, or he's like, yeah. he's kind of like laughing to himself like, haha, I'm giving you a placebo, you know. You know, but that is a thing. If yeah. the if during the study the practitioner is being asked to lie to the participant, the patient saying they pick up on you're getting the body language. You've got it, of course. Yeah. I'm not a good liar. I'm gonna have trouble looking. Right. Okay. Or even even if it's like for the good cause of this study. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't want right. to. Yeah. I, that's so not, we need we need to be double blind. Right. Okay. So good. that's the reason for doing that. Yep. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yes, and so, uh, we get good placebo. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and, fascinating. But here's another theory. Mm -hmm. It is also felt mm -hmm. that some of the trials which showed a benefit of placebo were tainted by the fact that many conditions are self-limited anyway. Ah, this is part of the Great Awakening. Right. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, for example, yeah. uh, an episode of depression. Yeah, yeah. When you finally go and get diagnosed and you are given this label, you kind of live that role. Yeah. But if it's an episode and it can, maybe it's self-limiting. Right. And it can be self-limiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the natural course. Not everyone with clinical devastating depression is going to so, have it the rest of their lives. So what we're saying is you're given a placebo, which yeah. doesn't work, but you get better anyway. But you get better anyway. But it's not because of the placebo. It's because of the natural course of the disease. True. Yeah. True. And similarly, well, that may apply to medication as well. It's like, great, you know, you took Prozac, you know, Wellbutrin, you took, uh, you know, yeah. uh, any number of medications. Right. Uh, but, and you got better. But depression waxes and wanes anyway right you know especially psychiatric conditions are very prone to this yes and other conditions which have a little bit of a psychosomatic component like irritable bowel syndrome forget yeah. about it very much and there is another thing I'll come back to the example of the antidepressant uh, they're taking it say the patient doesn't want to take it anymore and the doctor advises them not to stop taking it because you're feeling better but they stop taking it anyway, and then they start to feel a rebound or right. a, uh, a withdrawal effect. And the doctor will then say, see, you needed the medicine. Right, right. But it's a physiological dependency. Yeah. And that happens with absolutely uh, yeah. acid-blocking medication. Oh, yeah. And it definitely happens with psych, psych medication. Sure. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, you stretch a rubber band and you let it go, it snaps back. There's a rebound effect yeah. with many medications. So, yeah, uh, and then it's like, yeah, see, you really did need that medication, mm -hmm. but in, no, you developed a dependency on the medication, yeah. which actually is really a great feature for medication you know, in terms of marketability. It's it's good good business model for... Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> wow, right. this is news to me, the placebo effect of, of the cold medicines, that's really something. And you know, I remember last time I went to get a bottle of NyQuil, I think it was for my husband, this was several years yeah, ago, yeah. and 
uh, he wasn't sleeping, so I'm like, okay, I'm getting you this stuff. Yeah. And I remember I had to show my my driver's license oh. for them to let me buy the well, stuff. Well, it probably had it had some of the real deal stuff in it. It had the real deal stuff. Yeah, in. yeah. So, oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like, oh. Did they card they you? They asked you if you were over 18? No, I told them that Walter White is only a distant cousin. Oh. And they still, yeah, whatever. Walter White? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are, uh, yeah. I mean, many of you are not cognoscenti. That is the moniker of uh, of uh, the guy in uh, Brian Cranston's role in uh, Breaking Bad. In Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, Also, uh, his nickname was Heisenberg. Heisenberg, yes. The uncertainty uh -huh. principle, because mm -hmm. <laughs> he was a chemistry teacher, right? And he yeah. knew he knew how to cook the he best, could do it. the best meth. You know, yeah. in his meth lab. Anyway. Great series. All right. Yeah. Um, time for questions. Okay. We've got a comment, actually, from Dan. Thank you very much for your take on orthorexia nervosa. It means so much coming from a person of great stature. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, Does you know, he know you're tall? I'm like 6'8", <laughs> and, uh, you know, blonde hair. I sometimes carry a spear. And mm -hmm. I wear a loincloth frequently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Actually, we have another question. Well, just for a yeah. minute, like, yeah. I don't want to go into it again because we talked about it last week, but orthorexia nervosa is a yeah. fixation that people develop. It's an unintended consequence sometimes of what we do in integrative medicine is we make people aware of the importance of diet. We make people aware of uh, potential for exposure to environmental toxins. And mm -hmm. on and on and on it goes, and they become aware of these things, and then they become sure. so highly fixated on perfect diet, perfect supplementation, perfect uh, detoxification, uh, protection from environmental hazards, that they become orthorexic, which mm -hmm. is meaning uh, they just become so completely narrowed in their in their approach. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a take up on the word anorexia nervosa. It's orthorexia nervosa, mm -hmm. which means like a very narrow, narrow, narrow focus. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 that resonated with people. And it, it's not That's my it. concept. It's a concept by uh, Stephen Bratman, who brought it up in the 90s, I believe, or in yeah. the 80s. And uh, it actually has earned itself a page in Wikipedia, which, you know. I remember learning about when we were. Studying, yeah, when we were studying eating yeah. disorders in my undergrad, yeah. we were talking about orthorexia, and I just was fascinated. With, oh, yeah, the wanting to eat correctly all the time, yeah. and God forbid you eat something that's not organic, or yeah. the chicken it's still not, has a skin on, or it's whatever not it may starvation. be. It's not no. starvation, but it's kind of it's, it, it, it's life-impairing in the sense that it's... It um, is that you won't eat a corn chip, or a yeah. piece of chocolate, yeah. or some whatever it yeah. might be. Yeah. So, yeah, like that. Okay, so we've got an email here from Chris. It's a little lengthy. I'm trying to, to By the way, we, we did elicit comments on an article that I wrote, which is kind of what's wrong with integrated medicine. Yeah. And yeah. I wrote some observations that have, they're critical of my own field. You know, mm -hmm. So this guy, mm -hmm. I think, uh, responded to that. Yeah, uh, he talks about these issues. It seems uh, that the pharmaceutical industry has done a very complete and thorough disservice to the world. They have their hand in much of what has become the medical system, you know, training the doctors, right? Mm -hmm. Slowly indoctrinating, castigating dissension, boldly forcing 
quote, treatments while having less proven facts and now arrogantly moving to center stage to promote world health. Well, that's under the auspices yeah. of the World Health Organization, which oh, is yeah. attempting to standardize medical care for the, for the good of mankind, but ostensibly for control. Yeah. For con- yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe to, to ill effect. I mean, it was not, it, a sh- it, their response to COVID was not a shining example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so who put the doc in indoctrination? <laughs> right, right. And he goes on to say, while alternative and integrative health has stepped up to help out, could perhaps the newly allowed become curious about the ways of evil of the pharmaceutical industry, understanding that there does need to be a financial source for research and treatments to happen, this can also lead astray the truth. Now, when I was an undergrad, I remember one of my professors, Dr. Arlene Sparks, she was such a phenomenal teacher, you just wanted to do better in her class. She Mm -hmm. was just phenomenal. She said that the cleanest grant money at the time was NIH money, National Mm -hmm. Institutes of Health grants. So, but that can't be said any longer. Mm -hmm. And I think he makes a point here. So this seems to be an era. There there is a lot of uh, politics involved. So for example, uh, you know, if someone were to try to uh, demonstrate that, um, you know, that uh, the RNA technology Mm -hmm. uh, for vaccine administration and ultimately for treating a lot of diseases is, you know, super dangerous and spike protein is really a bad idea. They might not get a favorable look from grant, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the people who determine who get grants. Yeah. You know, there may not be a fruitful line of inquiry. I think we also see this sometimes in other endeavors, you know, in some of the, the research about greening the environment and climate research. Yes. That there's, there's sometimes fads and trends in research and research that uh, goes a certain way ideologically, gets prioritized. That, yeah. You know, and, and you know, another, I think another one is uh, you know, research now in the field of uh, gender fluidity and so on and so on. You know, there's, oh, yeah. there's, uh, I mean, I see research which is, I, I think, verges on the absurd, which is like mm-hmm. research that suggests that um, climate change is increasing the uh, susceptibility of people to psychiatric disorders. Wow. You know, and, you know, like... It almost sounds like a suggestion. Yeah. In, and what I'm, what I'm saying is I, that not, not, not that climate change um, fears about yeah. climate change, but the actual temperature, yeah. high temperatures make people nuts. Right. And the, my, they get hot my, under the collar, you know? My retort to that is, you know, uh, 50, 75 years ago, there was a heck of a lot less air conditioning. True. Were people more, more nuts then? Or are they more nuts now because the climate has gone up like one centigrade, you know, worldwide? When I was growing up in the building where we lived, when I was a child, we could not have air conditioning because the electricity, the electrical wiring couldn't support it. Wow. So it was horrible. Wow. I mean, we opened the windows, we had fans and yeah. all of this. 
And it, it was just bad. I, I grew up in Los Angeles, which gets very hot, and we didn't have air conditioning until I was a teenager. Yeah. And it was and it was like one in it was just in the bedroom, it wasn't in the whole house. So right. it was just like we'd put a wall unit in yeah. and pop it in there. And it was like, you know, maybe whatever, you know, six hundred BTUs or something very yeah. low. Yeah. And it blow it'll blow a little cool air into the room. But I think people's tolerance for discomfort is decreasing big True. time. Um, True. So that's not great. We're, we're seeing all resilience of that. is decreasing. Yeah. So Chris goes on to say, this seems to be an era of searching for truth. <laughs> he keeps going on, doesn't he? Amen. He does. Yeah. But 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 it, it, it's interesting. Sifting and sorting through what has always been, without question, a way of life for many to accept, is now turned upside down and spiraling into the unknown. Does a medical system honestly care about those who need help? And will society be allowed to accept more personal responsibility in one's life? Can we have greater education specifically directed toward that end? If public health is for the greater good, how has the public health education system stepped up to teach and inform? And why must care for people have to be labeled as conventional, Western, alternative, holistic, mm -hmm. integrated, etc., when it should all have the same goal? Yeah. Amen, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the many yeah. of the points made. You know, also the issue of personal responsibility. Well, look, yes. personal responsibility, you know, it, it cuts both ways because if you say, you know, like abandon people to their... Uh, to conditions to which they're prey to, you know, it would lead us to absurd conclusions like, oh, people who have HIV, well, you know, they were drug users or they engaged in immoral acts, you know, we'll just, you know, things that make imply judgments. Or we wouldn't take care of people who have alcoholic liver disease, or we wouldn't take care of people who are, you know, have diabetes because it's diet related and mm -hmm. so on and so on and so on. So yes, emphasize personal responsibility, but let's come up with ways of treating people who, hey, guess what? You know, we're all human. None, none of us are perfect. Some of us have foibles. Some of us acquire, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the bad stuff happens because yeah. of, uh, you know, perhaps potentially lapses in right. responsible behavior. But we should, you know, yeah. we should emphasize responsible behavior. And, I, you know, I'm worried a little bit that the, the un, one of the unintended consequences of this, uh, all this weight loss medication may be yeah. to... Uh, enable people to kind of eat their cake and have it. Yeah. You know, the proverbial eat your cake and have it. In other yeah. words, eat a poor quality diet, but still lose weight. Still lose weight because the drug works in a way to keep you feeling nauseated and uncomfortable and some people throw up. Yep. Wow. Sounds like gastric bypass to me. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta, gonna... you gotta hit the sweet spot of like before you get mm -hmm. really sickened from the medication, which is tough for some people to achieve with these medications. Yeah. Alright, yeah. so a good point at which to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Give us a preview of what we're gonna tackle in part two, please, Layla. What do you think of hydrogen water? Whoa, hydrogen water? Yeah. Well, well, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm thinking maybe of the Graf Zeppelin didn't do too well. Uh, you know, the thing that blew up over Lake Coast, New Jersey. Oh, right, in, right, 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 you know, yeah. 1938 yeah. or 1939. Yeah. Uh, no, but hydrogen water is a thing. It's a thing. We're going to take a look at hydrogen water when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Leyland. We'll be right back. Questions at drhoffman.net, the destination for your queries. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. <laughs> 